Malachi, the last prophet who was a writer in the Bible, was a contemporary of Nehemiah. After him, there was about a 400 dark ages called the intertestamental period where there was no prophet, no writings that made scripture. There were other writings, but none that were believed to be prophetic and of God. So there was a long time, 400 years, of a dark age when things were not looking up as it were. In fact, Luke chapter 16 and verse 16 says, The law and the prophets were until John. But since that time, the kingdom is preached and everyone pressed into it. In other words, the group that was number one, as it were, in the Old Testament, the Israelites, when people became believers in Jehovah God, they could become a proselyte Jewish person. But that stopped with John's appearance. Things changed. You have the Old Covenant, you have the New Covenant. The law, which was begun by Moses, and then you have grace and truth, which came by Jesus Christ. That's what John chapter 1, verse 17 it says, in verse 18. The law uh, was started by Moses, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And so, we have some changes made. What I find today is many Christians have never made completely the transition from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. How do I know that? How do I believe that? It's because lots of our thinking is still the same way as they thought under the Old Covenant. See, under the Old Covenant, the Spirit of God did not live within each person. There were a few people, prophets and kings and people of that nature, who were anointed by the Spirit of God to do certain things, but the Spirit of God did not live in, in, in them personally as He lives in us. So there's a, there's a difference there. Secondly, the idea was in the Old Testament that God was great, and He is. He was out there someplace. God could be seen externally by the great things that He did, but they did not know God personally as we can know Him today. And yet, a lot of times, Christians today who have Jesus and the Holy Spirit living in them do not shape their thinking, do not renew their mind in these New Testament Scriptures that enforces the belief that God is in them and with them continuously. Another way we know that is we hear people saying all the time and even praying, God be with me today. All right? That's totally unnecessary if you're a believer. You know why? Because He's in you. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 indicates that He's living in you and He also promises in many other places, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So if He's living in you, I don't have to ask Him to be with me today. I just can say, Father, I thank You that You are with me today. Can you see the difference there? See, one is, one is a plea for God to be with me. The other is, I know He's with me and I'm thanking Him for it. You get the difference. See, we can tell whether we're thinking like an Old Testament person or a New Testament person by the things that come out of our mouth and by our actions, particularly when things get difficult in life. 
So let's look at some scriptures from the Old Testament just as a, a preview of uh, some of the psalmists, what they had to say and what they sang about. In the book of Psalm 22 and verse 23, or Psalm 23, uh, 22, 28, for the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. Psalm 45, verse 6, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is a scepter of your kingdom. David sang in Psalm 103, verse 19, The Lord has established His throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. David again in Psalm 145, verse 13 said, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. Why are we saying that? We're talking about what they saw about the kingdom. God is great. God is wonderful. God's got a kingdom that is coming. But let me show you how they interpreted that. You see, they knew about kings and kingdoms. There were nations around them that had individual sovereigns and were ruling over a geographical location and a grouping of people. And so they were doing this messianically, thinking about there's a day coming. We have a Savior coming. God is going to come. He's going to set up His kingdom. And we're His people. And we're going to rule with Him. Jesus came and they did not recognize him as that Messiah. That these prophets and these singers were prophesying and singing about. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power or the authority to become children of God. That's John chapter 1 verse 12. See, he came to his own. He came to his own, but they didn't believe him. They had a thinking that was opposed. Their, their eyes were blinded to seeing the Messiah who had come, and they could not get it. And so there was a transitional period from when Malachi wrote until John appeared. When John appeared, guess what he did? In chapter 3 of Matthew, verse 2, he came preaching the message of repentance, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Change your way of thinking. Change the direction you're going in. Change and come this way. And you know, they didn't like that. Many of them didn't. There were lots of people that from place to place where he would go would repent and would begin to believe and he baptized them in water. But when Jesus then came along, he said the same message. In the book of uh, Matthew chapter... Uh, let's see, get my place here. Uh, chapter uh, 4, I believe it is. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He preached the same message that John preached. Repentance, change in direction. But it took about 40 years for that message to really begin to change whole groups of people, whole geographical locations, whole areas of that world. But that message still needs to be preached. That message is still applicable for us today. An individual is going one direction and he needs to repent. He needs to turn. He needs to change his way of thinking and put his faith and confidence in Jesus Christ as Messiah. That's what it's all about. That's what the kingdom of God is about. Now, when Jesus came along and he started ministering to people, his ministry was a kingdom message. 
In the book of Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel or the good news of the kingdom, healings, healing all kinds of sickness and disease among the people. And the very next verse also talked about delivering the demonized. So Jesus' ministry was basically four areas. And notice the gospel that he preached. It was the gospel of the kingdom of God. The rulership, the governorship, the authority of the king, Jesus. Now, interesting thing about Jesus' kingdom today is it's not geographical. It's not limited to a certain race of people. It's not limited to a certain gender. It's not limited to a certain uh, financial uh, status. It's not limited to any of those things. The rulership of Jesus Christ is for anyone. Whosoever will, let him come and receive the water of life freely. That's the invitation today. That was the message. But when individuals repent, make Jesus their Lord and Savior, they're conveyed out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, comes to live within them. And God's kingdom is an internal kingdom today. Now, there's coming a day, and we'll say more about that in a few minutes, there's coming a day when His kingdom is going to be manifest in the natural realm. But situations and circumstances will be different when that happens. But today, the kingdom, the kingdom message is the good news about Jesus Christ and His rulership, His authority, His covenant today. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 7, Jesus told the twelve, and as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And when he sent out the seventy in Luke 10, 9, he said, heal the sick there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. You see, God's kingdom, that was the message. The message today is a kingdom message. So well, what, what about salvation? That's part of the kingdom message. What about healing? That's part of the kingdom message. What about deliverance? That's part of the kingdom message. You see, the whole thing is the kingdom. Well, what about the church? You know, the message of the church is to preach the kingdom and the king, Jesus. That's the message of the church. You know what uh, book of Matthew uh, chapter 16, verse 17 and 18 said? They asked, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? Some say Jeremiah, Elijah, one of the prophets. But Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered the group and he said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood didn't tell you that, but my Father who's in heaven. He said, you're Peter, but upon this rock, the rock of Jesus himself, the declaration and confession of Peter, representing the whole group, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Then the very next verse says, and I give unto you the keys of the kingdom of God, that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, did you notice how he connected the church and the kingdom? See, Jesus is building his church as we preach the message of the kingdom and the king, obviously. As we do that, He's building the church. It's not up to us to build the church. It's up to Him to build the church. It's up to us to obey His instructions. And as we do that, He will build the church. And as 
participants in the family and the kingdom of God. He has given us certain authority. You know what keys do? Keys open and keys close. They open and they close. They can't cook your your meal. They can't do anything else for you. They can open and they can close. Jesus said, I give you, disciples, the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth, you close. Whatever you loose on earth, you open. He would do the same. Other translations say it like this. And whatever you bind will be that which has already been bound. And that will be true if we're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and His Word. And whatever you loose will be that which has already been loosed. As we listen to His Word and His Holy Spirit. So what am I saying? I'm saying that the message is the message of the kingdom. Proclaiming the governorship, the rulership, the authority of the King, Jesus, and the present manifestation of the kingdom of God. Now, the message in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. That is the message. This gospel of the kingdom is the message of the hour. This gospel of the kingdom is the message that's to be preached to every people group. To every people group. And then, he said, the end will come. When it's been preached, all the world, as a witness to every people group, to all people groups, then the end will come. That is our assignment. To penetrate every people group with the message of our King, Jesus. And His kingdom, His rulership in our life, in our circumstances, in our families. In the book of Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21, Jesus says, The kingdom of God does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed the kingdom of God is within you or in your midst. The message of the kingdom is not geographical. Jesus was trying to get across to them and us. Hey, you see kings around you and they rule over areas. All right? But he said the message of the kingdom is not limited to a geographical location. So if they say, it's over here, or if it's over here. No, the kingdom of God is within you. It's among you. You're in the midst of the kingdom of God wherever you are as a believer. That's revolutionary. You start thinking like that, it'll change the way you believe about some things and the way you act about some things. Before he ascended back to heaven, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Go, or as you're going, make disciples of all people groups or nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey or observe all things that I've commended you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, consummation of the ages. You go, you make disciples, you baptize them, you teach them. And he said, I'll be with you while you're doing all of that. That's the message that we've been assigned to in this day, is the message of the kingdom of God. Now, how did Paul do it? He was another great apostle, wrote, you know, something like a third of the New Testament. About half of the actual books, but volume-wise, maybe a third or so. He said in Colossians 1.3, the scripture I quoted a while ago, He's delivered us from the power of darkness, conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. We've been conveyed out of darkness into the kingdom of God. 
That's how we got in it. We didn't put ourselves in it. He put us in it. He conveyed us out of the authority of the enemy and put us in the kingdom of God. He said in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what the kingdom is. It consists of those conditions or activities or beliefs. Another scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. It isn't just in word, that is, speaking a lot of words, but in demonstration of power. You know, that's what we need more of in our day. We need more demonstration of dunamis, the power of God. Sometimes we talk a good game, but we don't see as much manifest as we want to see manifest. So he said, the kingdom is not just, it does include words, but it's not just in word, but it's in demonstration, it's in power. I think about what Jesus said to the disciples. I believe it's recorded in the book of Mark chapter 16. And they went forth and preached everywhere and the Lord working with them with signs following. In other words, there was a release of supernatural power. They preached the word, but the word was accompanied with power, with dunamis. We need that. We need that. Now, There's a passage that says in the book of uh, Acts chapter 14 that we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. That's just part of a verse. We must through many tribulations enter. Now wait a minute. I thought we were conveyed out of darkness into the kingdom of God. We were. But this particular verse here put it in context. He's talking to a bunch of people, a bunch of believers that are going through lots of conflict. And he says, Paul is saying, we must through all of these conflicts, these tribulations, enter into the benefits of the kingdom of God. Positionally, we get conveyed out of darkness into the kingdom when you get born again, when Jesus really becomes Lord. That's positional. Now, experientially, it's going to cost you something to live a kingdom life. It's going to cost me something. There will be decisions that have to be made. There will be difficult circumstances that you will encounter in living a kingdom-oriented life. Will God be with us? Of course, He's in us. Will God help us? Absolutely. But it will cost you something to get into the benefits of the kingdom. Paul's address in the book of Ephesians as well as Colossians and in other places, he talks about if a person behaves in a certain way, you're not going to enter into the kingdom. He was addressing Christians when he said that. Well, now wait a minute. I thought he conveyed us out and into. He did. But if you're going to live in the benefits of the kingdom of God today, you're going to have to make some decisions that will allow you to live in those benefits. All right? That's the context of those particular verses. Now, so what can we learn from all this? We're not talking about a religion or a religious system, but a relationship. Being in the kingdom of God, it's a relationship. It's not a religious system. You see, Old Testament was basically a religious system. Again, they didn't have the personal relationship with God as we have today. They had a system of obedience. Do this, do that. Keep this faith. Wash your hands a certain way. Uh, 
Do eat this particular food. Don't do certain things on a particular day. Over and over, there were rituals, there was ceremonial law, there was uh, character building characteristics in the law. All of those things you had to do, do, do. In our day, as far as relationship with God is concerned, it's been done. And you receive the benefit of that when you made Him Lord. But there are still things to do. There's obedience to be had. But it's not to get you right with God. It's so that you can enjoy the benefits of being right with God. You can experience the reality of knowing Jesus personally. That's a good thing. So it's not a religious system, but it's a relationship. It's not about holy days, feast days, or washing your hands in a certain way. It's not about that. Those holy days and feast days, Sabbath days, were all pointing to Jesus. They were pointing to Jesus. Do I have to do them today? I can if I want to, but we're not required to. They're not uh, put in the New Testament as a responsibility for us. Thank God. You don't have to offer sacrifices anymore. You do, however, have to obey what He tells us to do so that we walk in the benefits and the blessings of that relationship we have with Jesus and receive His benefits and His kingdom. It's about the Lordship of Jesus in our life. God's government on earth today. That's what the kingdom is about. God's government, God's authority on earth today. Now, this is another way I know that many people are still living under the terms of the old covenant as opposed to the new. Because we haven't learned to submit to God's government in us today to the degree that we should. That reveals our thinking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is here now. It is not something that we have to pray into existence. Let me me say that again. The kingdom of God is here now. It is not something we have to pray into existence. Someone says, well, wait a minute. We're told in the book of Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, in the uh, model prayer, that we're supposed to pray, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let me suggest something to you. Yes, we are to pray that or declare that. But my point is this. It's not a petition to be prayed. It's a declaration to be made. There's a difference. I don't have to pray, God, send your kingdom. Remember, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here now. I don't have to pray for it to come. What I do do is I should declare the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of God is now. The kingdom of God is here. See? I'm not praying for the kingdom to come. It's already come. Same way of, I'm not praying for Jesus to be with me. He's in me. See, it's the same thing. So, he was was trying to teach his people to pray. And there's a reason for that. Again, we're talking about a transitional period. The law and prophets were until John since that time the kingdom is preached. And everybody pressed into that. So, they thought a particular way under the law. So Jesus comes along in this, his earthly ministry and he's teaching them, transitioning them from an Old Testament mentality to a New Covenant mentality. And sometimes they kind of got it mixed up. They had a little bit of the Old Covenant mixed in with some of the New Covenant t- principles and teachings. That's why the Apostle Paul had so much trouble in his ministry. He would go and preach in somebody's school, Tyrannia school, or get into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and preach, and usually they would end up beating him up, running him off, or doing something like that, because he would teach 
things that were contrary to their Old Testament mindset. And it got him in trouble. So when Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, that was at the beginning of that transitional period, about 40 years or so, when they were moving from Old Testament to New Testament. Keep this scripture in mind. Luke 16, 16. The law and the prophets were until John. What until means? Not after that. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom is preached and everyone is pressed into it. If you're preaching the Old Testament and you're preaching people to be pressed or made a part of that. Say, well, shouldn't we preach the Old Testament? Of course. From the perspective of the prophetic, the promises in the Old Testament, the history, the poetry, yes. But make it a part from the understanding that we're now living under the terms of the new covenant. We're not living under those terms. We have to see it differently than the way they saw it at that time. God's kingdom will be more fully manifested at His return. Do you know the Bible talks about a time in Revelation eleven fifteen. It says at the I believe it's the seventh trumpet that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and His Christ. Yes, that is when the kingdom of God is going to have a more of a physical manifestation to it. You know the one of the problems the first century Christians had even at the day of Pentecost. Will you, will you at this time uh, bring in the kingdom for Israel? Who's going to sit on your right hand? Who's going to sit on your left hand? Questions like that. That tells us how undeveloped their understanding was about the kingdom of God at that time, just like ours. But there is coming a time when the kingdoms of this world will be made, the kingdom of our God and His Christ. That day is yet to come. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, in that Sermon on the Mount when he's teaching his disciples how to pray. He ends it by saying, For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Folks, we're living in the time of the kingdom of God. It's, the message is the kingdom message. The time is now. And we need to transition our thinking from Old Testament or law until grace. The law came by Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. We need grace. Yeah, we, and we got it. We need peace, truth. We have them. Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. We need peace. Jesus said, I give you my peace. So we got it. We don't need an Old Testament concept of law that has to be implemented to make me acceptable to God. Don't have to have that anymore. I could never be made acceptable to God in all of my trying, in all of your trying. You can never make yourself acceptable to God. It's an impossibility. Do the best you want to do. You'll never make it. There's only one that's ever made it. His name is Jesus. He took your place, my place, on the cross. He died for us. We receive and make Him Lord. We get conveyed out of darkness into light, from Satan's kingdom into God's kingdom. And now, it's as if we were perfect. We weren't, could never have been. 
but because of what He did, He gave us His righteousness. And we now are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. So I'm going to be, uh, bring this to an end and with some challenge. How can we transition our life from an Old Testament mentality to the kingdom mentality? First thing you need to do is read the book, specifically the New Covenant, New Testament. Do you, I read the Old Testament frequently, but not from the perspective of living under it, but seeing it, the narrative of what it was trying to present to those people that was a message about the coming of Messiah. Reading it from that perspective. It's good for that. But now that Jesus has come, I don't have to look at that as if He's to come. He's already come. I now look back at it. He has come. He has done this already. We receive it. We rejoice in it because it's ours now. I used this illustration before, but on our desk at home, I have a picture on the the side of my desk of Debbie. I could sit at my desk, be working on something, and look there and remember what she looks like. If she's gone or been gone for several days, I can look over there and I remember that's what she looks like. But you know, I would much rather have her present than the picture. Right? That picture cannot cook me food. That picture cannot talk to me, right? That picture can't do anything. It's just a picture. The Old Testament's got a lot of pictures. It's got a lot of images. It's got a lot of ideas. It's got a lot of things that point to Messiah coming. But it is not that. It just points to that. But now that Jesus has come, now that He is living in us, He's here, His kingdom is here. It's now. So what we have to do is really read, meditate, particularly in the principles of the kingdom of God from the new covenant. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the good, the acceptable, the perfect will of God. Renewing our mind with the word. Next, establish a consistent prayer life. Renew your mind with the word. A consistent prayer life. What this will do to you as related to the new covenant is it keeps God's presence fresh to you. See, if we just legalistically look at verses of Scripture, we basically can dry up unless we have a companion relationship that's ongoing with Him constantly, daily. You know, you you get kind of settled or set a particular way in your thinking without Jesus' present day fellowship, His Spirit. So pray, pray consistently. What are some ways that you can bring the kingdom of God into your home, your job, or your community? I remember something we heard uh, Charles Simpson say back probably in the early 70s. He had a daughter and two sons, or has a daughter and two sons. And when the boys were little, he used to say to them, when he he learned some things about the kingdom of God and started preaching it, he would say to them, this is your room. You are responsible to bring the kingdom of God into this room. 
Now, what that actually means is you have to take care of this room. You have to clean it up. You have to keep things straight. And you're responsible for this room to bring the kingdom of God to it. What you say in here, what you do in here, what you read in here, what you listen to in here must be compatible with the kingdom of God. Now, do you know that works for adults? We are responsible for bringing the kingdom of God into the various spheres that we exist in. We're responsible to do that. What thing is the Spirit of God dealing with you to change? What thing is the Spirit of God dealing with you to change? Whatever it is, let's change it. I find the Holy Spirit dealing with me quite regularly. And say, you know, you missed that. It's not condemnation. The Holy Spirit does not condemn. There is no condemnation. If you're in Christ, there's no condemnation. Could there be rebuke? Yes, there can be. The Holy Spirit can rebuke. He said, that was wrong. You've got to straighten that out. You know, he can rebuke. But there's no condemnation. Yes, sir, Lord, you're right. I was wrong. I change. Right here on the spot, I change. So in what area is the Spirit of God dealing with you to change? See, he wants all of us to be continuously conformed into his image. It's an ongoing work. Internally, in your spirit, you were instantly changed. From dead to life. From darkness to light. Instantly. But you know, outwardly, it's a progressive thing. In the soul realm, the mind, will, and emotion realm. That's where the battle is, folks. The battle is not so much in the natural, physical as it is in the soul realm. Because those are the areas that are progressively changed. The spirit was instantaneously changed. These areas are progressively changed. And you get your spirit right, you get the soul in line, hey, the body has no choice, it's got to line up. It'll line up. Because you know why? Because the body itself has no life of its own. You know, I've never had anybody talk back to me who was dead. I've conducted lots, hundreds of funerals, but none of them ever talked back to me. You know why? Because it was just a dead, empty house. The person was gone. That's the house they lived in. So we change the spirit with the presence of God. We change the soul by the word of God, by prayer, by listening for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And then we say, body, okay, you got to line up and do what I tell you. You stick to that and it will. You stick to that and it will. It'll line up. So really? Try it. I challenge you to try it to see if it doesn't. 